The best way to predict the future is to invent it. Stephen Ambrose brings you up to speed on what the future holds as he explores the latest technology as it impacts our lives. Well, good morning and welcome to Tech Talk right here on IFM where we delve into and try to understand some of the complete insanity that's going on around the world with regard to tech. I'm not going to be talking about politics or anything else. Unfortunately, that's not an area of my expertise, but technology is something I've been playing with and experiencing and trying to understand forever, and it goes on forever. It never changes. This week has shown enormous upheaval with ChatGPT and OpenAI getting fired, hired, Changes coming, Microsoft offering to take on the entire uh, open AI team. But simply put, we're not going to discuss much of that now. We've discussed AI over many, many years. But AI, and uh, that word is is terribly difficult for, for most people. It sounds cool that artificial intelligence and um and other things are all around and, you know, we're all going and doing and seeing and, and, and chatting, etc. But it's not really artificial intelligence. However, the rumor is part of the upheaval at OpenAI this week was due to a discovery of real machine intelligence starting to emerge from the massive models that have been created and all the smart algorithms and the data. The simple fact is that, one, the computing power in the world has reached a point where it's insane. There's amount of compute power that's available to platforms that is beyond anything that's ever existed short of the human brain. Number two, you've got all this data that is being digitized, loaded into data lakes, data seas, data oceans around the world. And all of this data, as more and more of the world goes online, some of it proprietary, a ton of it proprietary, but all the books, all the learning, all the education, all the writings, all the musings, all the crazy social media stuff, some you agree with, some you don't, but all of this is data. All of this data has been collected. All of this data has been input. It's all been made available to these massively fast and powerful computers that can use algorithms to learn, understand. I mean, when you use uh, OpenAI or ChatGPT or any one of its, its or barred from Google, and you use it to just analyze anything, translate anything, you get the most remarkably accurate and interesting results. Yes, there's some craziness, but the accuracy as the databases grow is increasing. So expect to see it more and more. It's built into Windows now. It's built into Office now. It's built into Skype now. It's built into Evernote, which is a program that I use. Search is now AI search, not normal search. So there's a massive underground revolution which is going to make our lives a lot easier. The legal fraternity are going a bit crazy. Uh, AI can do in 20 seconds what 50 associates took weeks to do. Things like that are going to change the world in many, many ways. But again, not the topic of this particular edition. We'll delve into that and try to understand that in a couple more shows in the nearish future. And stay tuned. I'm available over the whole of the December period while you're sitting on the beach. It's always good to listen to a little bit of technology news. Makes your dinner conversations more interesting if you understand a little bit about some of the crazy and some of the interesting and some of the innovative stuff that's going on with AI. So stay tuned to High FM at this time 
every week all the way through the holidays. There will be me talking lots of interesting stuff about technology. But focusing a little bit more on what's going on right now, um, Telcom has been in the news this week for lots of very, very interesting reasons. And one of the most interesting, which um, got me certainly a little bit excited, is Something that they're busy with with Google and Google Fiber. Now, Google have laid the largest cable. It's called the Equiano cable, undersea cable, which terminates in many countries, but certainly does pass and, and terminate in South Africa. And it is the largest capacity cable to the continent yet. It's owned by Google, but Google obviously needs partners in order to operationalize its cable in, in an effective way. And what they've done is they've done a great deal with telecom. Now, here's what's interesting. They've done deals with all the major telcos and ISPs and everybody. Everybody has access to the cable. It has um, the ability to communicate across the world through all the platforms out there. But their sort of core partnerships, and telecom is one of them, is absolutely fundamental to their reach within Africa and South Africa. And what they've done is that through OpenServe, which is telecom's wholesale subsidiary, they've signed a number of agreements that have secured the company 15-year revenue pipeline of around about a billion rand, which is not small change. And what it does, it gives Google access to certain of the open source facilities, and these are key. So the 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 um, cable landing station, which exists for the cable to terminate and then disseminate all the data across the country, um, and also 50% of the terrestrial network capacity along South Africa's border with Botswana. Now, Botswana is another entry point into Namibia, into other countries slightly north of South Africa. So having access to those actual physical um Cables makes a huge difference and allows Google to completely get to all these various countries. And this has brought massive revenue to telecom, and I think it's going to help stabilize the business in a big way, which is interesting because at their results um, announcements recently, they're actually very cash flush. They seem to be doing quite well. Their mobile business has become dominant, and um, so many changes are happening within that space. But obviously... Um, the 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 whole area of fiber and fiber to the home and fiber to the business and fiber to everything is dominating completely. So working with a company like Google that is at the cutting edge of high-speed connectivity, data, data centers, and all the rest around the world can actually do no harm. The benefit really is that, one, I believe that Internet prices, as I've said before, are going to keep dropping becoming more and more commoditized. The speeds are going to increase exponentially, both on mobile and on fiber. And all other technologies, like ADSL, for example, is pretty much done. I think in the latest results, Telcom announced that only 12,000, literally 12,000 people still use their ADSL platform. I cannot understand why they haven't simply switched it off and let those 12,000 come to them and say, can we use LTE or fiber if fiber is not available? Um, it makes no sense to even maintain the infrastructure for that because 12,000 people is is basically a smallish or well, medium-sized business in terms of connectivity. So that's going. But Telcom also announced, before we get 
out of this segment and move into some interesting stuff about Black Friday, is Telcom are talking about shutting down its 3G network in mobile as well. Now, 2G is pretty much gone. It was the initial technologies that made mobile so popular. 3G became the next high-speed connectivity platform, but by today's 5G and 5 plus G, uh, up to 6G type connectivity, it's 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 archaic in real terms. The numbers are crazy. We're talking kilobytes, not gigabytes. And they're talking about shutting down its network. And if that doesn't make sense, I can explain it as, as simply as this. The 3G network is a standalone network. It's separate to the 4G network, and the 4G network is separate to the 5G network. So currently, Telcom is supporting three independent networks, and it makes a lot of sense to get rid of the, the, the lower-end ones because the devices that exist, there are very few devices that don't do 4G. So expect to see that happening, and if you've got some of those old flip phones and feature phones that only work on 3G, expect their utility to drop dramatically over the next year or two as the network simply shut. And on that note, we'll be back straight after this. Quick note from our sponsors. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. And now moving on to a, a topic that I've had endless discussions with with so many people over so many years, but tomorrow is Black Friday with Cyber Monday following. But in South Africa, although it, it used to be a non-event, very American, it's now become a global event. It sort of kicks off the shopping season post Thanksgiving, which is today in the U.S., and it starts the end of the year sales on a, a spectacular note. People save up the whole year, wait for the Black Friday or Cyber Monday or Black Week or Black Month or Black Year End um, opportunities to really get that new piece of something or whatever it is that, that they want, from clothing through to cosmetics through to home goods through to, obviously, technology, TVs, and that's where our focus. But there is, unfortunately, a dark side of Black Friday, and that is that in many cases it has been found, and that's why I think you really need to just reiterate some of the basic tips that can help you pr protect you from scams, because the scammers seem to take advantage of the hype, the craziness, and the excitement that surrounds Black Friday. So, first and foremost, don't shop similar look shops, which is a real problem. Keep The first and most important thing that everyone should do right now is go to their operating system, go to their phone, go to whatever device they're using and update it to the latest software without a question of doubt. If you have to do it on mobile and you're going to shop on Black Friday, I'd suggest you do it on mobile. But update your software. It is critical that you're running the latest generation of operating systems, both on your mobile and on your desktop and your laptop, your tablets. doesn't matter what you use because the amount of malware and exploits and cybercrime uh, peaks almost, you know, one for one with the growth in sales and activity around Black Friday. Um, so, first and foremost, keep your software updated. Beware of email and social media deals. 
I'm not saying that they aren't valid. If you've been dealing with a website or you bought stuff previously from Take A Lot or any one of these many, many online stores and they send you their Black Friday previews and deals and whatnot, I would say 99% of them are, 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 are good. However, a lot of lookalike phishing emails, emails that look and would collect connect through to websites that look identical. I mean, clothing is a perfect example of that. There are so many... Cl- top-end clothing brands that suddenly have massive Black Friday um, specials like Jackets and Boss and all those type of guys, and you click through to those, and the sites are absolutely perfect. The same product, the same pictures, just the pricing is unbelievable. And you go through the payment process, and you land up either with fake goods, which are not real Boss or real anything, um, really poor quality, or nothing at all. You find out that your money is gone, you've paid, you can sometimes claim it back from credit cards, but often it's just done and dusted and you're out of pocket and you never get your stuff and lots of frustration. So watch out for the similar look feel, especially through email and social media. And the second most important thing, Google is absolutely your friend. Do a Google shopping search for anything that you're specifically looking to buy. So you see this amazing deal. Just do a Google search. Check out everything else that's going on because often that 40% discount is not real. So in other words, they mark things up 40% or 50% or 100% and then give you a 40% discount. Whereas the week before, it was actually cheaper without the discount. So be very, very, very wary and do your research before uh, shopping. I mean, it's so easy. You've got so many tabs open. Open the tab of the site that you're interested in buying from. Copy the product description or the product um, serial number. Pop it into Google and click on shopping in the top tab. Simple as that. And up will come a thousand other hits for that product with different pricing across the entire um Market and all they're clean and easy for you to see. And again, not to say that you shouldn't be cautious and some of those are not real. And if you see something that is like way out of line, so if something's selling for a thousand rand, for example, and you see one selling the identical thing selling for 200 rand, you can almost be 99.997% sure that that's a scam. There's no way a reputable Samsung or Sony or something is suddenly flying off the shelves at 200 rand where everybody else is at 999 or 1111 or whatever it is. So if it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. It's not true. Wherever possible, whatever you work with your, your, your various um, web shops or anything, you should implement a two-factor authentication. So wherever your credit card deals are stored, a lot of stores don't do it because it creates fiction, but wherever you can, use some form of two-factor authentication. Use the authenticator from Microsoft. There are a number of different authenticators you can find, and a lot of the sites are offering that type of use an authenticator, which will always make your life Really, really easy. And the last and, you know, sort of most simple thing that I think everybody should do is for this period, for the next week or two that you're going to be doing your shopping on Black Friday, go to your bank's app, either online or on your mobile, and create a virtual card. Not your standard credit card. Create a virtual card that is not physical. 
Um, it has a lot of them have a lot of security features built in, like the uh, PIN numbers change regularly. Use only a virtual card. Using a card to purchase through any online platform is always a good idea. There's protections built in. There's um, insurance built in. There's safeguards often built into Visa and MasterCard, which will make your life a lot easier should something go wrong with a product or if the product is never delivered. You can always lodge it and get your money back through the credit card company and it leaves up to them to fight with the cyber criminals to get their money back. But using a virtual card makes it so much easier because the hassle of of cancelling a card, I did it by mistake, I queried something online with FNB um, because I wasn't, I had forgotten that I had an annual subscription to something and it popped through and it was quite a lot of money. So I phoned them just to get some more detail. The next thing, the hyper-efficient security lady had cancelled my card and for a couple of days I couldn't use a business card because they'd cancelled it. I had to wait till they delivered the new one. But Better safe than sorry in all respects. And there's an, unfortunately an old adage that if you buy something you don't need, it's still a waste of money. It doesn't matter how good the deal is. But once you've finished with your, 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 your hot shopping and buying all the goodies that you want, delete that virtual card. So should that card somehow land up being compromised, should somehow that card's details be uh, leaked online or land up elsewhere, you really don't have to worry about it at all. No one can use it. It doesn't affect your day-to-day. It doesn't affect you going out using your current credit card for things. I think that is probably the simplest innovation in online hygiene. And in fact, I would have an online, a, a virtual card for all my online shopping. It just makes so much sense during the year, but particularly over this crazy period. And as a, as a hygiene factor, I would delete them every couple of months and reissue them yourself. You never know. And often, unfortunately, the, the fraud comes up down the line. Months, if not sometimes up to a year after you've entered your card into a, into a bad site and that site either was compromised or your card was actually uh, fished off for some reason through a virtual site somewhere. So virtual cards from all the banks today are an absolutely brilliant way to safeguard your your shopping online. But more important than that is cybersecurity is absolutely vital for Black Friday and all the whole black crazy it's month in particular. The main reason is, is that there's a psychological craziness that ensues. Everything's on special. There seems to be a massive hype around what's special and what's new and what's cheap and what's coming and what's going and something you've had your eye on, that big screen TV, that brand new vacuum cleaner, um, that fancy new jacket, that beautiful jewelry or watch, whatever it is that you're looking for. The, the energy around the discounts and the start of the holiday period creates the need that you have to have. And it's such a good deal, you just cannot ignore it. But it creates the potential for massive social engineering and phishing, employee manipulation, and just general cybersecurity neglect from both the company side. So I'm talking to you now, not from the consumer side, but from the businesses that you run that do um, a lot of work around that. If you've got any form of retail environment where you're selling product online, you will find that over this crazy period, there is just so much activity, so much um, 
traffic to the various websites that the potential for any leaks become more and more uh, relevant and definitely the the biggest challenge that we've got today is that it's not one simple single hacker sitting in a back room typing away and trying, you know, like you see in the movies with all these green screens. I don't know where that comes from, but yeah, they've always got green screens with code scrolling up and down and it looks super futuristic. That is not where the core issues are. What the biggest problem is, and this is why you have to be so careful across a whole range of different things that you do online, is that they call social engineering attacks. They're part of phishing. They're part of whale phishing. They're part of the whole cybersecurity panoply of methodologies that are used to extract information. And using AI today, using some of the advanced cyber cyber platforms for analysis, data collection, and data correlation, these guys have become so good at building up probabilities for things. So, for example, when you get these crazy little games about your favorite colors and all sorts of stuff on Facebook. And they're completely innocent. And there's questionnaires about who can solve this problem and things like that. They all sound completely innocuous. And I can guarantee you now you're all thinking, oh, yeah, I've played those things um, over the years. But sometimes, I'm not saying always, but sometimes a lot of them are what is known as fishing expeditions. In other words, it's part of the whole session uh, the whole uh, social engineering portfolio, what they are doing is building up a profile of you as a person. So they get to know your pet's name. They get to know your children's birthdays. They get to know a lot of information about your yourself. Obviously, a ton of stuff is already out there on your profile, in your social media, on your various associations, etc., etc. And then using advanced techniques within cybersecurity, using some of the AI type algorithmic um, platforms, what they can do is start using very, very um, guided attacks on your passwords. So you might think they're unique, but unfortunately... Most people think alike, and there's patterns. And the best, the most unbelievable thing about massive language models, about massive intelligence or, or any computer modeling system, is that computers are unbelievably good at finding patterns. And patterns derive the codes and the security and all the things that we think about. So if a 100 people think a certain way, a 100 people will tend to have similar passwords or, or, or security methodologies. And these patterns are clear from all the diverse information. And in fact, a lot of these programs will suggest the type of questions you need to ask to find out the psychological profile and the patterns of the people that are, they're trying to attack. So I don't want to make you completely paranoid, but um, I do believe a touch of paranoia online in regard to your security, both from a business and a personal point of view, is a really good thing. So be very, very aware that innocuous answers and information supplied online, along with a ton of other innocuous and essentially completely non-interesting information that you post about your your trips and your holidays and all sorts of stuff may well be used to build up a profile which will allow them to then set a program up 
to go for your your online um, passwords and predict and project them, or, or or rather crack them in a way that doesn't take even if it's twenty lines long. If they socially engineered, they can find a way to get to you, and you'll get the phone calls where people seem to know an insane amount about you from the banks and things like that. So. Again, two-factor authentication is really important using something like an SMS or something like that. And you will find that so many platforms are now introducing. If your Facebook thing is not, your Facebook profile is not secure with two-factor authentication, unfortunately, they make it incredibly complex and difficult to deal with. It's not a simple thing. But if you go through the settings, you'll find it and set it up using an SMS, using some other form of authenticator to make sure that nobody, even if they guess your password, they've still got to come back to you to authenticate. So in the middle of the night, you suddenly start getting a number of requests to authenticate something like Facebook or even WhatsApp or whatever it is. Suddenly you'll say, hang on a sec, this is not me. And then you can immediately go in and change your password because they've cracked your password. But because there's an additional layer which is two-factor authentication. You need an SMS, you need a code, you need to do something else. They're blocked. They can't change it. And the horror stories around people and the time it takes once their um, profiles are hacked on, on Facebook is absolutely insane and completely inordinate. But the biggest, the biggest thing that we can do is just be aware. If it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. Um, the cyber attacks are going to rise. And the last thing is sit back and understand that this is not one day. It's a large period of time. Sometimes the specials will get better. Sometimes they'll get worse. But um, it's not the last thing that you need to do, and it's definitely not the most important thing you need to do. Obviously, Black Friday brings a, a lot of um, savings. There are a lot of great deals out there. We're going to talk about some of them right now. This is the best time of the year to buy a TV. And and um, just stay aware, stay awake, work with the known brands, work with known shops, and go directly. Don't use links, don't use email, don't use social media, because they often can be spoofing. Um, but go directly. If you want to go to Take A Lot, type in takealot.com or .co.za or whatever it is, amazon.com. Don't go via some sort of cool link which offers amazing benefits. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And Gadget of the Week, always good fun. What I've been playing with, and a lot of people, obviously, apropos the whole Black Friday story, is a lot of people have looked at replacing their good old trustworthy LCD TV with something new, something bigger, something more exciting. Unfortunately, the RAND has not been our friend at all in South Africa. So TVs, especially good quality TVs, have risen in price quite considerably. And yet, I must tell you, having looked at global pricing and some of the local deals that are coming up this this period, this holiday, Black Friday, etc. period, South Africa can be up to a third cheaper for similar, for identical products than many countries around the world. And the one that I have been playing with for a friend, it's not my own, but I, I recommended it and then spent some time reviewing it, is the new, when I say new, the 2023 LG OLED 55-inch C Evo panel 
product. Now, just to give you a little bit of context, there are a number of different levels within the OLED space. And for the most part, and I'll use LG as a good example because they, without question, are one of the leaders in OLEDs. In fact, they pioneered it, and most of the panels in the world are currently LG panels. Samsung in the last two years have now brought out their, their panels as well, which are pretty exceptional. I can't deny that at a price, obviously, but really excellent um, OLED panels. But the current LG OLED range, especially the, the C-series, have now reached a point where the picture quality, especially with the Evo panel, where the picture quality, the brightness is as good as anything else on the market. Not quite as good as some of the backlit LCD panels, but to the point where most people watch in the evening anyway, you will never, ever notice the difference in brightness unless you've got a really bright room in the middle of the day and you'll find that most OLED panels will wash out slightly where LCDs can remain quite bright and quite sharp. But the benefit of OLED is twofold. And once you've spent some time living with a OLED-style panel, you'll find even the best of the LCD with the micro LED lighting with thousands and thousands of zones just cannot reach is the ultimate blacks that, that OLED can do. Now, what an OLED panel is, is every single dot on that panel is self-emissive. <clears throat> In other words, all the LEDs there, all the little light sources are generate light of their own. There's no backlight to shine through an LCD panel to bring you light. Um, and backlighting can be brighter than self-generating, obviously, because those dots are tiny. And on a 4K panel, those dots are exceptionally tiny. So OLED gives you the best contrast ratio between black and white that you can get in TVs today at a price that we, we can afford, you know, normal people, not people who can just buy anything they want. But it has another added benefit. There is no bleed. In other words, when uh, LCD panel is on the pixel, the area where that light is shone through, it bleeds a little into the left and the right and above. So you get a little halo around that bright spot. Whereas an LG or, or an OLED panel, that spot has no bleeding because that spot emits light. So it's like a single torch. There's no bleeding. You don't get this like little bloom and the little gray around the bright white lettering on a dark background. So my preference has always been for OLED panels, and the pricing of them has now reached a point where it's not cheap. We're talking between twenty and 40,000 Rand for a 55 or 65-inch. But the best pick right now, if you're looking for a top-of-the-range, very well-priced panel, in my estimation, is the LG OLED Evo panel, but the, the C version of it. Now, there's this, the 55C and there's a whole lot of numbers at the end, but there's an OLED 65C, there's even a 75, 77C, which is stupidly expensive, even though its pricing has dropped amazingly. But the new OLED 55C, which is the 2023 version, has pretty remarkable picture. 55 or 65 on 4K is pin sharp. Pretty much you can walk up to the panel and you can hardly see the pixels. But more than that, the brightness of not only the whites, but of the colors and the vividness of the colors is exceptional. Again, once you've seen it, it's hard to unsee. And the colors and the clarity are pretty spectacular. There's no, and if you're a sports fan, I must tell you, 
watching the Rugby World Cup on an OLED panel is beyond anything. It's sharp and clear. There's no bleed. There's no no smear. And the latest panels are incredibly fast as well. So for gaming, they're spectacular. And again, in fast-moving action scenes, you do not see any smear. So a soccer ball kicked across the field, you can see the ball spinning, you can see the dots on the ball. It's not just this little blurry thing running. And when people run, their faces don't blur. They remain sharp and clear. So it enhances the experience, giving it almost a 3D-like effect because of the sharpness and the depth available. The other thing that is pretty remarkable with such intense contrast is that many dark and gloomy uh, movies, you know, they create the scenery and things are happening. I'm not a big fan of horror, but there's lots of horror and horror is always dark. Don't ask me why. It doesn't happen in bright light. There's always crazy stuff going on in the dark. But when you're watching a TV with a lot of dark and a lot of night scenes, if the TV's contrast is not good, it gets incredibly washed out and it becomes incredibly difficult to, to see what's on the screen because there's no definition between the one thing and another. It's just this dark stuff going on. With OLEDs, it's utterly transformed. And the latest generation, the C Evo panel LG OLED, it's even better because the contrast ratios, the brightness ratios are higher. So its ability to give you graduation in the grays and the blacks and the dark is even better. So you can actually see an enormous amount of detail, which you've never seen on a TV before, and that is from standard broadcast um, streaming. Again, I love the interface that LG uses. It's very slick. It's very easy. The apps are excellent, um, simple to update, simple to use. So Netflix works perfectly. The quality, it streams in 4K very quickly, very easily, obviously depending on your your um, internet connection. But generally, everything I've thrown at this particular TV, the 55-inch one in particular, I've seen the 65 Exactly the same comments apply, just bigger and more money. But if you're looking in the 20,000 rand range, I'd suggest you go and have a look around. Um, Macro were having a great special along with a couple of others. Take a lot was slightly more expensive. But you've got to do a little bit of online shopping, as I said. And they're doing some really great specials on this. And this TV definitely um, will impress you. Something will last you quite a few years the technology, although it keeps advancing every year. And the reason why they're so good now is that all the new generation TVs will be launched at CES, which is the, the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas in January. And that will immediately cut the cost and the value of the TVs in the market. So now's the time to pick up a top-end 2023 TV, which will be more than good enough for the next few years. And on that note, uh, we have to take another quick break for our sponsors, and I'll be back straight after that. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. Exactly what I said. Black Friday deals absolutely everywhere for everything. Wheelchairs, cosmetics, TVs, whatever you want. But it is a good time of the year to look for that big budget gadget that you're looking for. And uh, if you you know, take a little bit of care. I promise you there's some amazing deals out there. And despite the uh, fall in the rand, there are incredible value to be had. As long as you buy smart and you buy what you need. Doesn't doesn't help to buy stuff cheap if you really don't need it and it just piles up in the back of your um, your 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 bin. But just to close off the show and just to give you a little bit more 
um, information about something I found really, really useful. WhatsApp has become the ubiquitous calling, chatting, and in many cases, a business platform. So WhatsApp for Business has, has really been growing and adding functionality, and you can do a lot of stuff through that um, as, a, as, as a business platform. So businesses... Have a look if you're not using WhatsApp for business. It makes a lot of sense to communicate with your user base. And the rest of us are quite comfortable using WhatsApp. One of the challenges with WhatsApp is well, there are two main challenges that I've always found that WhatsApp, despite its ubiquity, um, did not have. So, for example, if you had FaceTime or or chat on an on a iOS Apple device, you could have it on your laptop, you could have it on your Wherever you wanted, you could have multiple instances of it. If you had three phones, all of them would work. And WhatsApp wouldn't do that. You had to authenticate on the phone you were on. Then you had to move. If you changed phones, you had to back it up and restore it. And there was always a bit of a hassle between Android and Google, uh, Android and uh, iOS, and you couldn't copy. Well, the good news is WhatsApp have pretty much taken care of all of that. And they're adding a new feature that I think will make a huge difference for a lot of people. They're adding email account verification. Now, that simply put means that when you go into your WhatsApp app, you can add and link your email address to your user's account. And the benefit of that is simple. If you want to log in, you can use your phone number or your um your email. And where that would be useful is for whatever reason, your phone number, you can't get SMSs, they're not authenticating, you're out of the country, whatever the case may be, you can still get access on your laptop, on a new device to your WhatsApp. And again, as I said, what is really cool, you will then be able to use your WhatsApp platform to make calls, to send messages, even without your phone. You can do it on a laptop, on a tablet, wherever you want to do it. And that is incredibly useful. So you'll get a verification code um, to initially to set it up. But once that is done, or an email, uh, you'll get an email to a registered email address, and you can then use that wherever you are. So at this stage, creating uh, and using a WhatsApp account will still require a linked phone number. So that hasn't changed. Logging into the app can using a phone number remains as an option, but you can log in with a linked email address as well. And then you can change the number if you wish. So it's been offered as a beta feature on iOS. Apparently it's rolling out um, as we speak across numerous um, devices in the iOS ecosystem. And it should come to Android very shortly, and I just think it's a brilliant one. The other feature, as I've mentioned, is that it's really useful being able to have WhatsApp on more than one device. So I have a business device, I have a home device, and I can set up WhatsApp on both. So it doesn't matter whether I take one or the other, I can still make calls from my number using WhatsApp. And for the most part, as long as you've got a data connection, WhatsApp calls are pretty good. Uh, uh, and a lot less costly than normal calls. In fact, one of the other little elements in the telecom uh, and Vodacom results that were announced recently is that voice call growth has stalled. People are not making as many voice calls as they used to, and they're doing less and less in them. And the main reason is there are just so many ways to make voice calls without uh, making a voice call on your phone with your phone number, which is quite impressive. So... Watch this space. I think ultimately there will be no such thing as a voice call. A call will be a call depending on what platform you make. So check it out if you're interested. You can add multiple um, accounts. 
or multiple devices using the same account. You also, interestingly enough, and a lot of people have asked me this, some, some phones like Samsung allow two WhatsApp accounts to be used. So if you have two numbers, dual SIMs, you have different WhatsApps on running on the same phone. It's not possible on iOS at this stage. However, there is a hack for that. And that is very simple. Download WhatsApp for Business. And you can have WhatsApp for Business on your iOS device plus WhatsApp normal. And both of them can operate simultaneously without any issue. And it's really quite easy. You just simply say other business and you don't add any further information. You just use the number that you want to use, your secondary number, on the WhatsApp for business on your iOS device. So that gives you the ability to have two separate numbers and two separate WhatsApp uh, numbers on a single iOS device. So try it out. Um, hopefully it'll start rolling out soon. Just keep your, your, your apps updated and you'll get a, a notification. And then you just simply go to settings and ask it to verify through your email address and link your email address to your WhatsApp account, which will make life, I think, a lot easier, especially in the odd occasion where your phone's stolen or your numbers are disabled and you can't get SMSs. So on that note, I'm being told our time is up. It's been fun. Uh, talking tech, trying to figure out all this new crazy stuff and understand what and where and how it all fits in. But stay safe. That's the name of this show today. Stay safe online. Stay safe while you shop. And have a wonderful time. And if you buy that great deal, well done. Enjoy it. And we'll be back to talk more tech. Same place, same time, right here on High FM.